Well, the last time I preached here, and then this time, uh, it was, it's been kind of fun. Was Ryan uh, connects with me. This was a couple months ago and said, hey, I've been praying about it. Here's what I want you to preach on. And so it, it allowed me to write a new sermon and think about, think about the topic in a fresh new way. And so what he really said is he wanted to be kind of become a bridge. You, you were just finished a series, and next week we start a new series for Christmas, and I'm kind of right in the middle between those. And he asked if we, if we could look together at, at grace and gratitude. And it really is, you know, Christmas is the story of God's grace. Thanksgiving is our expression of gratitude to God. And it's kind of a great topic right between these two times, kind of hinging them together. And so as I begin to think about this, as I prepared, what I came up with is, you know, grace and gratitude. And what came to my mind is, I just can't stop myself. There's some things, there's some things that you do that you're like, I just, you start, I just can't stop myself. Some of you are into hunting or fishing, right? And you're like, I, I love to do it. I mean, I really love it. I love it a lot. Well, you went, you went hunting last week. Yeah, but I'm going again this week. Why? Because I can't stop myself. I, I love it. I, I'm, I'm into it, right? That's the thing I love to do. Uh, some people singing. Some people are artists. I, I, went, I got a bank account locally here just this last week, and the young woman who I actually invited to come to church, so she might be here today, but the young woman who set up the account, as she was answering questions that I had, she would actually sing them back to me. I'd ask the question, she was sort of, got, like in a response, she'd give a little response kind of a thing. And I'm like, I said to her, do you, know, do you know that you actually sing some of the things you say? She's, I know, I don't mean to, I don't think about it, but I just, I love to sing. She can't, can't stop herself. She loves to sing. That's part of who she is. Um, for some people, shopping, can't stop myself. Watching sports, can't turn it off. Some of you have watched TV shows where at the end of the show, this, this wasn't around when I was a kid, but now at the end of the show, they show, and now here's the next show. And you're like, well, I sat down to watch TV for half an hour, and four hours went by. I couldn't stop myself. I watched the entire season. You know, it's like, it's like there's, there's things in life that are like that. We have, Sherry and I have a couple who are dear friends of ours. They own an extreme sports company. And so they do triathlons. One of their triathlons that they've done through, uh, through the years is called the Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon, where they would actually take people out on a boat just off of Alcatraz Island where they keep used to imprison people, and the currents are so dangerous, they say that you can die in that water. They have people on the boat, and they, people pay for them to throw them off a boat in the harbor and make them swim to the shore and then ride their bikes and then run, and these people love it. And if you're a distance runner, if you've done extreme sports, you know that when you start to train and work out, your body gets to love it. And, you, and my wife was a distance runner for years, and she'd be like, it'd be like a foot and a half of fresh snow. Where are you going, honey? She says, I'm going out for a run. Couldn't stop herself. There's, there's some things, but wouldn't it be great if when it came to gratitude, you were to say, I can't stop myself. I can't stop it. I'm just grateful. I'm so aware of God's goodness, so aware of God's, God's grace and all these. I can't stop myself from being grateful. That would be an amazing thing to have said of me and to have said of you. So, so the question then becomes, if we're going to become truly grateful people, and you know, as I, think, as I thought about this, uh, truly grateful people, do you like being around people that are thankful and grateful and have great things to say about life, or do you like being around people who are negative, critical, and never have anything good to say? You know, what kind of people, if I said to you, who are the two or three people in your life that you love the most? My guess is that they are grateful, grace-filled people who are so thankful to God. And do you want to be the kind of person people want to be around? Someone filled with gratefulness? Or do you want to be the person who's always, I have the spiritual gift of noticing what's wrong with everything and talking about it? Right? It's like, no, you don't want to be that person. So here's, here's the question. What unleashes a heart and a life of deep and consistent gratitude? What is it that unleashes that? And the answer is simply this. Good theology. Good theology. 
What unleashes gratefulness in our hearts and in our lives? And, and I believe what unleashes gratefulness is having the right theological understanding. Our theology, what we believe, shapes everything we think and everything we do. That's one of the reasons why this church every week opens this book. Because this book teaches you how to think and understand the world so you can live in the right way. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, there's this amazing passage that really brings together, it brings together grace and gratitude. So as you listen to the scriptures, and maybe it's a passage you've heard many times, listen with fresh ears, but listen with a heart open to understand the reality of grace and how understanding God's grace can truly lead to a life of gratitude. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 1. As for you, you were, past tense, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, every one of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Lord Jesus, this is our prayer, that when we close this time together, whether we're in a venue or at home or in the worship center, when, when these moments together conclude, may we be more grateful than we've ever been before and more profoundly aware of the richness of your grace and how it should transform our attitudes, our actions, our motives, our words, and all that we are. Speak your truth to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible open, look at verses 1 and 2, and notice the tense. Notice the tense. It's past tense. For as for you, you were, past tense, dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. That's who you used to be. That's not who you are anymore. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not who you are anymore, but that's who you used to be. If you're not yet a Christian and you put your faith in Jesus, you can say, that's who I was. But he transforms us. He makes us different people. And then in verse three, all of us, no one is exempt. Verse three begins, all of us also lived among them at, the, at one time, gratifying the cra <coughs> cravings of our flesh, following its desires and its thoughts. All of us. Don't ever forget where you came from. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've come to the cross and received his forgiveness, you can say, that's who I was. But don't ever forget that. 
Understand that God lift, what God lifted you from, what he transformed you from. I grew up in a, in a non-believing, atheistic, pagan home. I know who I was before. Now, I know I'm not that person anymore. But remembering who I was shows me the greatness of God's grace in terms of who I've become and who I'm becoming in walking with Jesus. So never forget where you came from and the greatness of God's grace. In verse 4, we see the motive. What motivated God to, to give grace to you and to me? Well, look at verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. What motivated God? Because of God's great love for us. The work of salvation, the work of grace, is motivated by love. Always keep that first. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is love, John tells us in 1 John. This is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It always begins with the love of God. Yes, we respond. Yes, we live out lives of faith. But guess what? Our good actions are not enough to deal with our sin. It all starts with the love of God. And at our worst moment, at our worst, lowest point, God looked and said, you, I love you. I want to redeem you and save you. And then what has God done? What has his grace done? Look with me at verse 5. He made us alive with Christ. Listen to these words. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. God made us alive when we were dead. What can dead people do? What's the answer? Nothing. So you were dead in sins. And God breathed life. God extended his grace. We had to receive it by faith. But it's all the work of God. It's all the grace of God. And we need to remember that. Dead people don't fix themselves. But God in his love, when we were dead, gave us his righteousness to all who would believe. And so he offers grace to us. And I heard this years ago, and you've probably heard this somewhere along the way, but it's a great little word. And, and, and I'm going I'm to walk through three different theological terms that I want you to get a fresh perspective on. And anytime as a pastor, you start taking a complex theological term like grace or justice or mercy that we're going to look at today, when you take a term like that that people have written hundreds of pages about, and then you explain it in like two sentences, people are like, hey, wait a minute, that's not the fullness of grace, and I'm going to say to you right in advance, you're right. As a matter of fact, as a pastor, when I'm about halfway through my sermon prep, I have about a five-hour sermon. I got about five hours of stuff I could preach, and I could probably go longer if you let me. The next half of my sermon is whittling it down to 30 or to 35 minutes. And it's always fun then when you've, when you've had all of this great stuff and you study, and then you've got to like throw this out and throw that out and you finally get it down to your 35 minutes. And after the sermon, it's always fun when someone comes up to you and says, Pastor, do you know what you forgot today in your message? It's so much. Do you ever have that happen, Ryan, when people like to point out what you missed? Just a few times. Just a few times, a couple times for him. I have it almost every week. No, but, uh, <laughs> but, but people are listening. Going, but if I was preaching, you know, I would have meant, and I, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that was part of my study and prep. But at the end of the day, I had 35 minutes. And so, 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 uh, we're going to look at, at some rich theological terms. If you say to yourself, well, he's not covering the fullness of what that word means, I'm going to tell you in advance preemptively, I know, all right? I know. Talk to Ryan about it. Um, <laughs> and then as you go on in the passage, we're told that all, verses 5 to 8, all of grace is a gift, all a gift given from God's hands. He's seated us in the heavenly realms. He's given us incomparable riches. He saved us by his grace, all a gift from God. And so years ago, I heard grace defined this way. 
And, and it, so if it's G-R-A-C-E, it follows those letters. And if you've never heard this, it's kind of a great, great way to think about it. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. God lavishes us with his riches and his goodness because we've been so good. No, at Christ's expense because Jesus paid the price. It's God's unmerited favor. He favors us. He pours out goodness on us, but we didn't earn it. It's all a gift. And so I want to kind of make a picture, paint a picture of what this might look like in a way from a human standpoint and then from a divine standpoint. All right, so I want you to imagine... A squatter moved into your house when you were out of town. Or Sherry and I, we've been out of town for a couple weeks now. We're, back, we're going to be heading back soon. But imagine we get home and someone's broken into our home. We come to the front door and somebody has, you know, with their shoulder, they bashed in, the lock's broken. You know, the door jam's kind of torn up. The door's kind of open ajar a little bit. And there's a family living in our house. A dad and a mom and a couple of kids. They've moved in. They've eaten our food. They've made themselves at home. They haven't trashed the place, but they, you know, it's obviously, it's kind of a mess and, and they're in a time where they're struggling and they're, they're looking for a place. And so they just, they broke in and they're living there. Now, let me give you three theological terms. And I'll talk about it from a human standpoint and then we'll talk about it from a divine standpoint, all right? So, so here's, here's the first term. The first term is justice. Okay, justice, and if you want a little, again, this is not the fullness of justice. You want a simple definition. Justice is getting what we deserve. If you're in trouble, you get what you deserve. If you've done the right thing, but justice is getting what we deserve. So in that situation, this family's broken into our home. They kind of you know, messed our home up a little bit. They've eaten our food. What would justice be? Well, justice would be certainly they've got to move out. Maybe justice would be we would call the police, file a report. Maybe justice is that they would pay for what they broke, what they messed up. I mean, getting what we deserve in that setting. Okay, there's justice. Here's the next word, mercy. Okay, mercy. Bring that one up there. There we go. Mercy, not getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve when we've done something wrong. Let me explain it this way. You're driving down M6. You're listening to some music. You're having a nice little drive. It's a nice sunny day. The roads are clear. Not a lot of people. And you're, and you're not really paying attention to how fast you're going. You're driving along M6. And all of a sudden, there, you hear a siren and you see lights behind you. And you go, oh, no. You look at your speedometer and you're at 91 miles an hour. And the speed limit is 70. So you pull over. The cop pulls you over. You pull over. And at that moment, you demand justice. You say, Listen, I looked at my speedometer. I was going 21 miles an hour over the speed limit. Don't you write me up for any less than that. I want to pay the full fine. And don't you dare not give me a ticket. I broke the law. I'm all about justice. Right? Well, that would be justice, but would you do that? No, what you would want at that moment is what? Mercy. You don't want what you deserve. I have children. We're struggling financially. Do you know what turkey costs these days? Um, and you, and you kind of go, and you start, and you, you, you want mercy, right? So, so now go back to this, these squatters who've, who've broken into our home. Instead of justice, I said, what if I give them mercy? Okay, listen, just pack up and head out. I'm not going to call the police. I'm not going to make you pay for the damage you've done. I'm not going to make you pay for the food you've eaten. I'm not going to make you wash and clean our sheets. I'm just going to just pack up. And that, that would be merciful, right? Now, here's the third word. Grace. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. That's good. That's abundant. That's lavish. This would be grace. Grace would be me looking at this family who's on, on hard times. And the parents say, we're struggling. He says, I lost my job. They tell their story and they're really hurting. They say, we're sorry, but we were just desperate. Now, this would be grace. If I go, okay, listen. Here's the keys. The house is now yours. You don't just get to live here. Sherry and I are going to move out. It's your house now. But wait, 
I noticed that when I came in, the front door was all broken and damaged. Let me pay to have that fixed for you because I don't want you to live in a house that isn't secured. Now that this is your house. Oh, and by the way, there's still a mortgage on this place. And since it's California, it's like 3500 a month. Okay? But, but we'll pay it every month until it's paid off. Enjoy the house. You go, that's crazy. You go, that's not going to happen from a human standpoint. But, but isn't this what God does? Isn't this what God does for us? In our sin, in our brokenness, in our rebellion, God who is just must show justice. So how does he show justice? The payment for our sins has to be paid. He sends Jesus, and Jesus takes what we deserve on himself. Jesus paid the price. He takes our punishment, our judgment, our sin. On the cross, Jesus says, Daddy, where are you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Our judgment is placed on Jesus, and he pays the price. So justice is satisfied in Jesus. Mercy. Jesus looks at our sin. We were just going 21 miles an hour over the speed limit. We rebelled against God. We sinned against the God who was holy, holy, holy. And God says, in my mercy, I will not hold your sins against you if you put your faith in Jesus. I will show you mercy. But it doesn't end with justice and mercy. But God says, and now, grace. He says, you are called my daughter, my precious beloved daughter, and I am your father. God says, you're my son. And you will be for all eternity if you put your faith in me. He says, heaven is now prepared for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I go, I go so you can be there with me also. And the family of God, the church, this is, a, this is, this is grace to have a family like this. The, the privilege of worship. Ephesians says that we receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is ours through faith in Jesus. You getting the point? Grace, there's a reason why we, why we call grace amazing. So Jesus satisfies the just punishment for our sins. God gives us mercy through Jesus Christ. We don't get the punishment we deserve. And God lavishes, lavishes on us grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It may sound crazy. It may sound like something that we don't understand. But that's what God does through his grace. To get to the place of gratitude, to have the right theology, we have to understand grace. So listen again. Just quiet your heart. It won't be on the screen. If it helps to close your eyes, that's fine. But listen to these words again. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Someone say amen. Yeah, that's the gift of grace. And so when Ryan asked me to, to preach on this topic and when I began to dig into the scriptures and really, and really kind, of, kind of let myself kind of marinate, let my soul marinate in this passage, here's what hit me. That, that grace, when we understand grace, it always leads to gratitude. And not just an attitude of gratitude, but actions of gratitude. Really understanding the, the greatness of God's grace that we do not, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. 
He, he washes us clean by his grace. When we understand the greatness of his grace, we become grateful people. Not just sort of, I have an attitude and grateful thoughts, but our actions, our lives are changed. So here's some of the connections between grace and gratitude that you'll find if you dig deeply into this passage. Because of grace, I am saved. This passage talks about salvation. Because of grace, I am saved. My gratitude will overflow in sharing the good news of Jesus with others. When I realized that when I was broken, when I was lost, when I was forsaken, God in his grace reached down and he lifted me up. When I realized that he saved me by his grace, how can I not share that good news with other people? How do I look at somebody else and say, oh, you know, God can save a sinner like me, but not like her, not like him. See, sometimes we look at people and we think that they're beyond God's grace. That's why the person who wrote the most books in the New Testament A guy named Saul who became Paul. He was murdering Christians and destroying churches before he became a Christian. And the apostle Paul said, if I, the worst of sinners, could be saved by God's grace, the point was, who can't be? When you you understand the grace of God, when gratitude fills your heart, not just as an attitude, but as actions, You want other people who look like they'd never be open to Jesus. You want them to know he loves them too. Because he does. And here's the truth of the matter. God's grace is enough and sufficient for all of humanity. For everyone and every sin. Not not everyone receives it because not everybody receives Jesus. But his grace is big enough for everybody. And it's available to all who will put their faith in him. How that works in the mystery of the heart of God, I don't understand, but God's grace is always enough. It's applied to those who receive him. So if you're here and you've received Jesus, you have his grace. Share it with other people. If you're here and you've not yet received Jesus, his arms are open. No better time than this Christmas season to open your heart to Jesus. And once you do, let other people who don't know Jesus know that he loves them too. Grace leads to gratitude and sharing, expressed in sharing the love of Jesus. Because of grace... I have hope. My gratitude will overflow in living each day anticipating God's goodness, God's presence, and God's love. Every day is transformed by the grace of Jesus and an attitude of gratitude. And I will live with a grateful anticipation of heaven, my ultimate home. When I understand the grace of Jesus, I become grateful through all of life, and that gratefulness can carry me all the way into eternity. When you understand grace, it impacts each and every day. And you begin to be grateful and express it in all sorts of ways. Because of grace, I am free. We're set free by grace. And my gratitude will overflow, and you're talking about practical, in turning from sin and spiritual bondage and walking in the ways of Jesus more and more with each passing day. When you understand the grace of Jesus, when you walk in that grace, gratitude begins to flow. And part of that gratitude is how you live your life. You know that area in your life right now, that one area in your life right now that the Holy Spirit keeps whispering and sometimes nudging you, you know, hey, that's not you anymore. It's time for that to stop. That attitude, the way you speak about other people, that behavior, that that hidden behavior that others might know or might not know. You know that, that area in your life where the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time to start living this new way with kindness, with grace. It's time to start opening the scriptures and going deep into it. You know, there, you, know, you know the area in your life where the Holy Spirit just keeps whispering, it's time. How about making this Christmas season that time? 
How about saying to God, God, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave that behind, or I'm going to start that new pattern. That, and here's the thing. The Holy Spirit's always whispering to us, always nudging us. If I asked every one of you personally, privately, is there an area right now that you know that God is kind of whispering to you by his Spirit, it's time to start or time to start, stop, start something or stop something? You'd say yes. If you asked me that any time, I would say, well, can I come up with one area I need to grow spiritually? I'd say, oh, I can come up with 10 areas. So you've been a pastor for like most of your life. Yeah, I have been. And when I stand before the living God, he will see me as nothing but holy through Jesus Christ. Praise God. But as I walk through this life, can I be honest with you as a pastor? There's always areas that the Holy Spirit is saying, Kevin, you got to work on that attitude. Kevin, you got to watch your mouth in those situations. Does anybody else here ever have the Holy Spirit whisper and nudge you to change something in your life that would honor Jesus? Anybody besides me? Okay, a third of you. Okay, the rest of you, wow. <laughs> I'm impressed. Um, but I, pastor, I was going to raise my hand. I was just about to raise my hand. Uh, all of us, right? All of us. Because of grace, I am forgiven. My gratitude will overflow in thanking Jesus for cleansing, healing, and for heaven because of his forgiveness and daring to extend forgiveness to those who have wronged me. See, grace reveals the forgiveness. If you stand in grace, you understand that your sins are washed away. You've been cleansed by Jesus Christ. You are forgiven for all of your sins, past, present, and future through Jesus Christ. Praise God. Someone say amen. amen. Wash clean of our sins. And because of that, we in turn are called to forgive those who've wronged us. We're called to. In, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus gives what we call the Lord's Prayer, remember the one topic where Jesus kind of builds into kind of a connection to our human behavior. And forgive us our debts or our transgressions or our sins, whatever version you, you grew up with. You know, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There's a connection. What's Jesus teaching us in prayer? Could you imagine praying this really, and really meaning it? God, I would like you to forgive me exactly like I forgive others. Does anybody really want to pray that prayer? No, I'll answer that for you. No, you don't. Okay, you don't. But, but Jesus is making a connection for us to understand that, that now he's not saying, if you don't forgive others the right way, you lose your forgiveness, your salvation. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, understand that when you know the forgiveness of God, you are moved to forgive others. So then what goes through your mind is, well, what if they don't deserve my forgiveness? Right? Well, they don't. That's the whole point. If they, if they deserved it, then they wouldn't need forgiveness. The whole thing about forgiving is somebody doesn't deserve it. Say, so well, what, 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 what if, but they aren't appropriately repentant, so I don't have to forgive them. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? And he prayed this prayer, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Was he praying that because they were appropriately repentant? They had just nailed him to a cross. No sign of repentance. You know, the two topics as a pastor through all my years of ministry, the two topics that I have more people come up to me after the service and push back against. Number one, Giving, generosity. Pastor, don't preach about my stuff. Don't talk about my stuff. People come and talk to me. Well, you need to know, here's the reason why I, don't, I shouldn't be generous. I get talked to about that one by people. And the second one is forgiveness. When I preach on forgiveness, there's always people who come up to me after the service. If a whole sermon's on that topic, and here's how people, they basically say this. I'll give you a paraphrase, but I've had dozens of these conversations. People walk up to me after the service and they say, say Pastor, if you knew what that person did, did to me or did against me, you would understand why God doesn't expect me to forgive them. And here's what I tell them. I, I don't know what that person did. I can't understand. But God does. He understands thoroughly, completely. And he wants to set you free and them free. 
And even if they're not asking forgiveness yet, that's not your business. So, so grace, when we understand grace, we become grateful. He's forgiven me everything. I gratefully forgive others even when they don't deserve it, even when they're not appropriately repentant. That's not my business. My business is to extend forgiveness in the name of Jesus. God's business is to change their heart and to change their life. Because of grace, I am invited close, close to God. My gratitude will overflow in walking with Jesus every moment of every day. Because of his grace, because I'm forgiven, I am now brought back into relationship with God. Back to the garden when Adam and Eve walked with God without disharmony before sin came into the world. To the future garden in Revelation when we will walk in fellowship with God. We have that now because of grace. We can walk with Jesus every moment of every day. He's that close. His grace and his work on the cross has torn the curtain in two and opened the way to the most holy place. And we're invited into the presence of the living God. Because of grace, I'm raised up. I am lifted up to the very presence of God. And my gratitude will overflow in lifting up those who are broken, hurting, and discouraged. Again, God's grace leads me to gratitude, but gratitude is more than the attitude, it's actions. So when I realize that God came to me in my brokenness, in my lostness, in my rebellion, and in his love, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me and lifted me up. If I would just receive that gift, he offers it right in the depths of my sin. What's my attitude and actions in my life? When there's people that I disagree with, that I don't get along with, people that, and man, we are in a polarized, conflicted time right now in our world. It is a brutal time. People, Christians are saying things to other Christians that they would have never said five or ten years ago. These last couple of years, people have gotten free to tweet, to talk, to text, to, to yell, to scream, to talk about people in the, most, in the most vicious of ways. And when we walk in the grace of Jesus, we lift people up instead of stomping them down. We do. Even people we don't agree with. You know, in this, in this last two years, I mean, I pastor a, a, a wonderful, incredible church, but I'm in an area with people from every walk of life you can imagine and walks of life you can't imagine. I have people coming to our church that are across the entire continuum. And I had in one week a family who left our church because I would not present from the pulpit what they felt were the appropriate sort of Republican talking points. And they left our church and told me why. For half an hour told me why, and then left our church. And I had a family leave our church because all I do is talk about Republican talking points in one week. True story. I'm like, actually, I'm not doing either of those. I'm preaching this book. <laughs> and sometimes you may look at it as, and, and, and if, it, if it's any kind of talking point, it's Jesus' talking point. And if you don't like it, talk with Jesus about it. But I preach this book. But you know, the, the thing for me as a pastor, close, there was a study done uh, by... Um, Barna, in the middle of the whole co uh, this whole COVID season, and it said over half, pa half the pastors in America were considering, considering leaving the ministry. Over half the pastors in America. And it's because they're getting shots from their own congregational members from different sides of the, you know, just boom, 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 boom. But how about if we're praying for each other? How about if we're lifting each other up? You may disagree with someone. That's fine. I have people I disagree with, and I'll have vigorous conversations. But we don't stomp them down. We lift them up. And especially if somebody's not a believer, I found that, here's the one of the weirdest things I've, I've experienced. I, I grew up in this non-believing, uh, totally non-churched home. And I became a Christian. And what I found out, is there's a lot of Christians who expect non-believers to act like Christians. 
Here's what I tell people. It's hard enough for a Christian to act like a Christian. You follow me? And we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. And it's hard enough for Christians. To, and so you, you talk to a person, not, not a Christian, and somebody says, oh, that person really offended me. They used the Lord's name in vain. I'll say, well, are they a Christian? No. I said, well, then why would you be shocked? Nothing should shock us from a non-believer. We don't get offended. We don't push them away. We do what Jesus did. We come near and try to lift them up. When you understand the grace of God, a life of gratitude moves you to a posture of lifting others up and helping them up. And so I want to close with three words. Grace, grace, and grace. Those are my three closing words. Grace, grace, and grace. And three exhortations. Number one, grace, grace, grace. Show grace-filled gratitude to yourself. Show yourself a little grace in this season. It's been a hard couple of years. No matter how you come at things, no matter what your perspective is, it's been, there's more tension, more conflict between family members, friends, neighbors, church members than I've seen in my lifetime. It's been a time of stress and difficulty. So say, God, let me show some grace to myself. God, you've lavished your grace on me. Why am I so hard on myself all the time? Pray, God, let me show grace to myself. Second thing, grace, grace, grace. Show graceful gratitude to those close to you, to your family members, to your closest friends, to people who look like they're doing great, but the reality is they've been feeling the same weight that a lot of people have been feeling. Show grace to those people closest to you. In your home, if you have roommates, if you have family members where you live, show grace. Every chance you get, how can I be gracious here rather than angry and judgmental? How can I guard my mouth instead of just letting it fly. Show grace to those closest to you. And then three, grace, grace, grace. Show grace-filled gratitude to strangers, people you've never met, and even those who would consider you an enemy, those who don't like you. How can I show grace? How can I show grace? How can I show grace? I was on the phone the other day. I I had gotten an email from my preferred uh, airline carrier. I Months in advance, I booked a flight, a trip to get where I wanted to get to, and they sent me an email saying, oh, by the way, we canceled your trip. We we're sending you out of a different airport and a different time that won't get you where you're supposed to be going in time. You know, they basically changed it and said, here's your new time. And I was a little bit irritated. And so I called the airline to have a chat with them and figure out how to get a different flight that could actually get me where I wanted to go in time to be where I needed to be for what I needed to do. So I called, and then they, the little recording says, you know, we have busier, tra- you know, more busier than usual right now, and, you know, someone should answer the phone in three to four minutes, and then they play this really looping, irritating song. So I put on speaker, and I set my phone down, I'm at my desk, I just keep working, I'm trying to ignore it. Now, when they, somebody answers, so 10 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by, 30 minutes have gone by, my three or four minute wait is now half an hour. And I'm getting, in my mind, I'm preparing to give my speech to whoever answers the phone. Do you know what this did to me? Do you know that when you changed my time, how it messed up my plans? Do you understand what this is doing? And then your recording says three to four minutes. It's been a half an hour. So I was kind of loading in my, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm loading in my mind what to explain to this person. As I'm sitting at my desk, about a half an hour into this process, trying to get some work done and trying to prepare for my little speech, um, the Holy Spirit just goes to my heart and says, Kevin, grace, grace. And God actually put a picture in my mind of this person. I didn't know, it wasn't, it just, I, I said, just, it's like God said, this person is 
they didn't change your flight. Whoever answers, whoever answers this phone, Kevin, they didn't change your flight. And they didn't make up the system that made you wait for a half an hour. And they're probably working from home. and Because most companies are still, large companies like that. And they probably have a couple of kids they're taking care of. And here's what God put in my heart, and at least they're working and not getting a paycheck for not working. So God's like working me over for like three or four minutes. So when finally the, the music stops and this, the woman's voice comes on. And instead of grabbing the phone and saying, do you know how frustrated I am? God put on my heart, I just said, how are you doing? And she says, oh, thanks for asking. And I just, and I, and, and I, I had a whole different disposition. I showed, what's the word? Grace. Grace. I wasn't going to. I wasn't planning on it. But God caught me before I was graceless and called me to grace. And I've been really trying. Grace, Lord, let me show your grace to myself. Lord, let me show grace to the closest people to me, who sometimes is the one place I can let loose and be who I really am, which isn't always very pleasant. And God, let me show grace even to a stranger, even to someone who considers me an enemy. So Lord, this is our prayer. In this, in this Sunday, between Thanksgiving and walking into the Christmas season, this is our prayer, Lord. May grace upon grace upon grace that has been lavished on us be extended to others. May grace lead us to gratitude, not just in our thinking and our attitude, but, Lord, gratitude in our actions. And, Lord, may this Christmas season, may we be conduits of your grace and your gratitude and your presence. Even when we're tired and weary and feeling like we're the end of our rope, let us extend grace like you did to us because, oh Lord, you have given us grace beyond description and we are deeply, deeply grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to stand, would you stand? If you're at home, online, or one of the venues, would you stand if you're able to stand and just receive these words of blessing as you head out from here? As we close this time together, may you walk with a new and deep and growing understanding of the grace of God. God's riches at Christ's expense poured over your life if you receive the grace of Jesus. God's God's riches available if you have not yet come to Jesus, but come to him this Christmas season. And may you live a life of gratitude that reflects the presence of Jesus in all you say, in all you think, in all you do, everywhere you go for the glory of Jesus. God bless you. Have a great Christmas season. And back here next week to kick off the Christmas series. God bless you.